Well, if you have your Bible with you this morning, I would invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We continue to make our way through the chapter, and this morning, our focus text and verses will be verses 19 through 23. First Corinthians chapter nine, verses nineteen through twenty-three. Join me once again in prayer. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessed word, your holy word, your word to us as your people. We pray, Lord, that you would work in us this morning that your spirit would work mightily within us, in our hearts and minds, that you would open our eyes to understand the truth, to receive the truth, and to live according to the truth. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 19. Hear now the very Word of God written for you and for me today. For though I am free from all men... I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Amen. Thus far the reading of God's word. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word to us. Well, Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the apostles big messages in this portion of his letter was the presence of the believer's liberty and the importance of the use of wisdom and using that liberty concerning the consciences of others. Along with the liberty that all believers have, as Paul once again defended his apostleship, he spoke to the rights that the apostles had in their office, coupled with the wisdom that they used with those rights as well. Now, some of you may not have thought about the apostles having rights until we considered the text last week, but they did. Despite the claims of his critics, Paul was a legitimate apostle called by Jesus Christ, sent by Jesus Christ, especially to serve the Gentiles. We see this in Ephesians 3, verse 1. Remember what Paul wanted the Corinthians to know regarding who he was and his rights as an apostle. He was free. He wasn't in bondage to anyone. He could marry and have a wife if that is what the Lord would have for him. She could travel with him in his journeys as well. Paul also had the right to be supported and materially provided for by the church. They weren't to muzzle the ox while he treads out the grain. But as much as it was important for the Corinthians to have confidence in the authenticity of his call, of his office, and of his rights, 
connected to his teaching on being careful with the consciences of others and how we use our liberties, Paul gave us a helpful pattern to follow, didn't he? A pattern of self-denial. Paul didn't use all of the rights that he had, especially in his ministry in Corinth. He didn't request material or financial support from them, did he? And he did that on purpose, with intention. He put that aside and he worked as a tent maker with Priscilla and Aquila. And Paul did so intentionally for he didn't want anything to get in the way of the proclamation and the preaching of the gospel to the Corinthians. He didn't want to give fuel for his critics to spin as if they would look at him or evaluate him like a traveling teacher or a traveling preacher who is expected to bring in the money and to bring in the crowds. And yet Paul wasn't a peddler of God's word. But he was a valiant preacher who couldn't but preach Christ and the gospel. And so, as Paul goes on in our text this morning, he speaks of his service in different facets in the midst of this freedom that he had. And so let's consider Paul the free servant in verse 19. His words about those who were under, without, and weak in verses 20 through 22a. And Paul's being all things to all men in verse 22b through 23. So first we see Paul the free servant in 19, don't we? He says there, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. Beloved, Paul was free indeed. That's true. He was born free, a citizen of Rome, for that matter. And though that was true, though he wasn't in bondage to another man, though he wasn't a slave in servitude, Paul said he made himself a servant. My friends, one doesn't have to be a slave to serve. In fact, all children of God are called to serve, aren't we? Like Paul, we are to press forward with servants' hearts as we follow both Christ's example and His command. Though you be free, is your heart focused on serving? Though you be free, is your heart focused on serving? Consider that this morning. Look at Christ's example in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. You can turn there with me if you'd like. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Paul said this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Here is Christ the King, Christ our Lord and Savior, Christ the Servant. He didn't just say, do this, but He came and He did it as well. He is the preeminent example, the perfect example of service and being a servant that we have. 
But remember also Jesus' response to his disciples after the mothers of the sons of Zebedee asked if if her two sons could sit on Christ's right and left hand in his kingdom in Matthew chapter 20. Here we see his command. Matthew chapter 20, verses 24 through 28, and beginning in verse 24 we read, And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Beloved, Christ's example. He came and he served. Christ's command. Go and do likewise. Go and be a servant to others. And so Paul told Corinth that he set aside some of his rights in order to serve with a goal in mind. That he would, quote, win the more. My friends, Paul desired to win and to make converts to Christianity by God's saving grace. The Greek word for win, it means to gain or to win over. And so as Paul presents this idea of winning souls, some of you may be thinking of this term as used and practiced by other people and think, but wait, I can't save others. I can't save people. How could I possibly win them, Pastor? How can Paul say that he desired to win many? That's a good question. Paul knew, and we know, that salvation is all of God. It's monergistic. We do nothing. He does everything. Paul knew, and we know, and Paul is pointing us to know, that God is using him, and used him, and is using us as instruments of grace in people's lives, as we share the gospel, as we are faithful witnesses and testimonies, of Christ to them. Think about Paul's words to Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 11. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 11. In verse 6 we read, So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be Present with the Lord. And therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. Notice verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what He has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, what does He say? We persuade men. That we are well known to God, and I trust, are well known in your consciences. So therefore, Paul said that he made himself a servant, that men, women, and children might be made free in Christ Jesus. 
Sita. Have you ever made the connection and had the goal of being a servant to win souls? I would venture to guess that you may often think about serving, but not with that goal in mind. And yet it's true. God uses living a life of service to open doors and gospel conversations. We need to see that. We need to seek to have that to be active in our life, like Paul did. And Paul goes on to list three groups of people and how he served to win many. We see that beginning in verse 20. Look with me there. 1 Corinthians 9.20 And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. So what did Paul mean that he became as a Jew? He was raised a Jew. He was trained a Jew. And he became the Pharisee of Pharisees, he said, in his well-known pedigree. Yet when Christ saved Paul, the significance of all of that changed. Right? Remember Paul's words to Philippi in Philippians 3, 7, and 8 regarding how he viewed his pedigree post-conversion. He said, But what things were gained to me, these things I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Christ is all that He needed. All of these years, all of this time, spent in study, spent in service, spent in persecuting Christ's church, spent in doing all of these things, that he would be good at what he did at that time. When Christ saved him, he turned his life upside down. And being a Pharisee wasn't the important thing. The persecution of Christians wasn't the important thing. It was indeed loving them and serving them and winning more by the grace of God the more would know the Lord Jesus Christ. For this now, Christ, who He has suffered the loss of all of these things for, He said, I don't care about that. It's like trash. It's like dung. I gain Christ. Praise the Lord. And so when ministering to Jews, Paul knew that the ceremonial law was a yoke removed by Christ. However, he was careful in his observance of such ceremonies for the sake of preaching the gospel to them in order to win them to Christ. And yet, as John Calvin notes, he has no less, he was no less careful not to give occasion of offenses to the Gentiles by the observance of them. We find an example of this kind of service. In Acts 21, verses 17 through 25, you can turn with me there if you'd like. Acts chapter 21, beginning in verse 17. 
And when we had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. And when he had greeted them, he told them in detail those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord. And they said to him, You see, brother, how many myriads of Jews there are who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law. But they have been informed about you that you teach all the Jews who are coming, who are among the Gentiles for, to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children nor walk according to the customs. What then? The assembly must certainly meet, for they will hear that you have come. Therefore, do what we tell you. We have four men who have taken a vow. Take them and be purified with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and all may know that those things of which they were informed concerning you are nothing, but that you yourself also walk orderly and keep the law. But concerning the Gentiles who believe, we have written and decided that they should observe no such thing except that they should keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. And so we see this example. We see that this coincides with what Paul says very succinctly in verse 21 of chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians. He says to those who are without law, as he goes on to talk about the Gentiles, as those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. Again, he, he's very clear. He's, he's very specific so that nobody could misinterpret what he's trying to say, either with his ministry and gospel ministry to the Jews or to the Gentiles. But don't get me wrong. I'm not forsaking Christ or his word in being all things to all men, in, in going and ministering to such people. This is what I am doing. Let me be specific. The Lord is showing us. So when ministering to the Gentiles, Paul lived as one without the law. Not as a lawless man and being sinful. That's why he says, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ. However, Paul lived like them, knowing that he was never free to disobey God. And then in verse 22a, he speaks to this third group of people. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. And who are the weak here? Well, we know from the context that they are the same brothers and sisters who were weak in conscience that he referred to in chapter 8. And when ministering to them, again, Paul took great care not to harm the conscience. He set his rights and his liberties aside for their sake, and importantly, for the sake of the gospel. See that Paul's message was that the strong and the weak can live in peace with each other in the church. And so what did Paul communicate then in the totality of these three examples? We, we see this in his being all things to all men in verse 22b. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. For this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might, not, that I might be 
a partaker of it with you. So is Paul just a man pleaser to gain some numbers in evangelism? No, absolutely not. That was not what he was doing. Paul considered the context and the culture of the people that he was ministering to as he sought to share Christ with them and see that he wouldn't sin against God to save souls. But he cheerfully and readily denied himself where it was lawful to do so for the good of others. So how should we then be guided in in what's okay and what's not okay to do? Well, Calvin again comments that it's a great error not to distinguish between things indifferent and things unlawful. And the only way that we can do this in making such distinction clearly is to know the Scriptures, to have a thorough understanding of the Word and law of God. And so Paul said that he did such things for the sake of the gospel that he might by all means save some. And in saying this, Paul knew well that it's God and God alone who saves anyone. And yet God put Paul in the right places at the right times, doing and saying the right things that some would be saved by his grace. Paul didn't know who the Lord would save through his ministry, but God did. And therefore, the free offer of the gospel went to all and to everyone's ears that were there. But what Paul did know is that God would use him to be an instrument of grace in saving his elect, his chosen people. And so like Paul did, beloved, have have a sincere focus on being a servant as you are a bondservant of Christ. One who has been bought by him to follow him, to mimic his example, and to heed his every command. And as Jesus calls you to go and to serve others, see this service in view as Paul has been teaching you about being careful and conscious of the conscience of others. Remember that you are serving others in love as you are careful and mindful of such things. But further, may you also see how being a servant doesn't only involve your care and consideration of one another in the body, but this should also be at the core of your evangelistic witness to unbelievers. Pray that God would give you more and more zeal for the salvation of the lost. Pray that God would do so in sincerity. For indeed, for many of you, Many people likely prayed for you. Likewise, pray for those who have not heard the gospel, who have not bowed the knee, who have not turned to Christ. I know that it's oftentimes challenging to share the hope of Christ with others in the details. We get intimidated, we get nervous, we get scared. We feel like we're going to be embarrassed, we're going to say the right thing, we're, we're going to do the wrong thing. Maybe we need to leave it to other people. Sometimes they have questions that you can't answer. They give counter-arguments that you don't know how to respond to in the moment. And yet God can and will grow you in skill and knowledge so that you can share that hope better. There's never an occasion where we should stop pressing on. 
There is never an occasion, beloved, where we should not have the same commitment and zeal like Paul did to win souls for Christ. In all the right ways in which that phrase is used. Not to somehow some twisted in the world today, but in all the right ways like Paul is using it here. That by the grace of God, us going out in service intentionally with the Word of God and with the good news of Christ, that He would be pleased to use that in bringing His people to Himself. And finally, I hope that you can see here the helpfulness of Paul's example. As it's good and right to consider the culture, the culture and the other pieces of what you know to be true of different people that you talk to and share the gospel with. It's good to know what they believe. Why they believe it. What their presuppositions are. So that by God's grace, as you are mindful of your liberties and you get yourself out of the way, the gospel can be all the more clear and applicable to them. May God grant us all grace to do these things, beloved, for His glory, that He would continue to build His church, to expand His kingdom, and that He would use us as His instruments in doing so. Praise God. Praise God for His Word. Let's pray together.